I let myself gain quite a bit of weight, and I really appreciated certain aspects of it. Like, I really liked how I looked in my underwear, and yes. I still do, but, like, in a different way. Like, Your ass is unreal. Yeah, like, <laughs> ass and tits, guys. Dude, like, it was so fun. Unreal. Um, looking at them and being like, okay. Hello, friends, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Pickles and Vodka, the mental health podcast where imperfect people have imperfect conversations. I am Christina, your host, and it is so good to be back. I'll just say that. Um, Recording this intro feels kind of weird because I haven't done it in a while. I'm I'm sitting in my dad's office in Virginia. Uh, I I have an apartment of my own, but uh, the acoustics are pretty bad in there. And also, I have, you know, the cats. Uh, actually, funny story. I have been watching four cats over the last month because um, my sister was moving and didn't have an apartment yet. And so I, I told her I would watch them. So um, that's been insane in the best possible way. Um, if, if you want, you can follow my cat Instagram. It's at uh, Ruby and Little Fang. And I, I post there all the time it's like therapy for me so wow i did not expect this intro to be just cats but what can you do (laughs) um if you are new to the podcast i just moved from seattle to virginia in the last month today's actually the one month anniversary of me being here which is insane because i feel like i just got here um so i've been really really busy and the podcast has just been on a little hiatus while I moved, so I'm happy to say that I'm back. I missed you all. I'm so excited to share um, the interviews that I've been recording, uh, and I have even more coming up, so that's exciting. Uh, today's episode, I record with my sister Caroline. She's been a guest on the podcast before, uh, but we're basically talking about the long-term effects of eating disorders and the stuff no one talks about because. If, if you know me, you know I've been struggling with this for 15 years and I kind of have this immortality complex where I, I feel like it doesn't, like other people can die from this, but not me. Like it's not that bad. And sometimes I feel like this is an eating disorder podcast because we talk about it so much, but honestly, like it's a big part of my life and this being a mental health podcast where I can talk about my stuff. Um, yeah, I talk about it a lot. So yeah, I don't know. I feel really good to be here. Um, The move went great. Uh, My sister and I drove across the country in just three days and it was crazy, but um, we got here and everything's been pretty good since then. I am still really struggling with bulimia. Um, When I moved here, I guess I thought it would be easier. And it's not a hot take that like when people move, they expect to change. That's like been a pattern in my life. Ever since I left the house at 18, I've been moving every couple of years, not staying in any place for that long because I keep wanting to change myself. And in my head, if I move to a new place, then I'll become a new person, blah, blah, blah. Um, obviously, that's not the case. Uh, my problems follow me everywhere I go. Uh, with that said, it is just like night and day from living in a place where I didn't really have a lot of support, where I was three hours behind all my friends on the East Coast, to living 20 minutes from my parents and uh, four of my six siblings live here as well. 
and I've been spending a lot of quality time with them for the first time in like a decade. And it's, it's really nice just knowing that they're there for me. With that said, it's not easy. I'm still struggling a lot. Um, I, I feel kind of complacent in my recovery right now, to be honest. Um, I know I need to get help, like professional help, and it's kind of unfortunate. I don't have health insurance right now. I'm not eligible to get it until October with my new company. So that's going to happen. I, I promise I'm going to get a therapist and I'm, I'm even opening to do treatment again, like if it comes to it, but that's a whole other thing. But um, I promise I'm, I'm trying to focus on harm reduction and just make every day a new day to do better. Um, I have a lot of other updates to talk about, but I'm not going to this time because I want to get right into the episode with Caroline. You can probably hear my voice. It's a little hoarse because I've just been talking, recording all day. Oh, one thing I wanted to say. If you like the podcast, go on Apple Podcasts and leave a little rating or a review. It really helps people find me. And now that I'm trying to you know, record with more guests and market myself, I guess. I'm, I'm so bad at it. I do marketing for a living, but like when it comes to this podcast, it's, it's just, I'm really bad at it. But um, I only have one review up there right now. So let's change that, y'all. <laughs> uh, even if you don't like it, leave me a rating and a review. Like I need to know. I, I want to always get better. So yeah, cats, move, podcast. I think that's all I wanted to talk about for now. Uh, thank you so much. Anyone who sent me a message or commented on my posts like while I was on hiatus. I appreciate you so much. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to be reading some messages that people sent me because they just make me so happy. And uh, yeah, if you just want to uh, say hi, or if you're interested in being a guest, uh, you can DM me on Instagram, Pickles and Vodka Podcast, or email me at picklesandvodkapodcast at gmail.com. With that said, I'm just going to jump straight into my interview with Caroline. It's a doozy and I hope you all enjoy. Have a good week. Wear masks. Get vaccinated. All that good stuff. Y'all know what to do. Just just don't be idiots. <laughs> just just take care of yourselves, please. Uh, stay safe. Make good decisions. Uh, I'll stop being your mom now and uh, <laughs> get to the interview. Like, literally, this is we are recording this the last possible minute. We, yeah, it's stupid. But I got in a car crash, so... Dude, yeah. That, well, it's first, a good excuse, so right? We, we were going to record like a month ago, and then Caroline got into flight school. Not flight, flight school! Okay. <laughs> I wish I was up there flying. Flight attendant school, and you were like hustling like crazy trying to get ready, and, and I was just like, whatever, it's And fine. I was moving myself, and you were moving. So you were two moves, moving. two moves before I went, and then two moves after. Like, the day I came back, <laughs> Dude, people yeah. were moving again. Like, literally, we're recording this... Monday and it's gonna be released at 5 p.m. and I'm gonna have to edit it all day. It's fine. It's, it's, it's fine. Everything is fine. But like last night we were gonna or yesterday we were, we were gonna record and I, like I had a meltdown. Uh, some family stuff happened. We won't talk about it. But I, I was crying and like it, it was, was really sad. And then we were gonna do that it, that night and then Caroline got into a car crash went and wrecked my car. I shouldn't be laughing. It's it's. I'm really glad. Everyone okay. was okay, so it's fine to laugh about. Um, it was stupid. So it yeah, was 
we are here now. Caroline is like dying of allergies. Yeah. Um, but it's fine, guys. It's fine. Everything is great. Everything is beautiful. Um, life before, is beautiful. Life is beautiful. I'm just Alexa, little play little peep. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we get into our topic today, how have you been since the listeners last heard from you? I don't even remember when. So y'all the last time. Me. Caroline helped me record an <laughs> intro last year in 2020. Is that the one with Andrew in it? No, it was the it was the one with the meme, the meme one. Like, you, oh yeah. Um. Well, okay. So <laughs> since then, um, what did I do? I kind of like fell in love with somebody really quick, and then we had a bad breakup. I um, became like a worship leader, so I was singing all the time. Uh, I got really consistent with the gym. I you was already were. working full time. I think well, it was most of these things already. I'm trying to oh, think wait, of what these happened. Are the things that you were true when we recorded last. Yeah, I yeah. thought you were saying these are the things now. And I was like, wait, didn't you already? Oh, no. <laughs> Dude, yeah, you were. Well, no, you were single last time we recorded because the very first episode, number Girl, six. we are always single. There's a reason for that, though. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nobody in our family knows how to have like healthy relationships, except for Andrew. I know how. They're just not out there. That's why I'm single. <laughs> anyway, people suck. Um, Girl, you got to be picky. Yeah, we're both single right now. I think, is this the first time we've both been single together on the podcast? <gasps> no. It might be. Anyway. Um, That's cool. Since then, I'm I'm really happy about this accomplishment, um, becoming a flight attendant and going through three three weeks of training. I learned a lot, and I'm finally back. You literally just got back two days ago from three weeks in Florida. Yeah, we were in Orlando, learning a lot of stuff. There was so much cramming and studying and testing. It was not a vacation. Um, oh no! Not that any of us really expected it to be, but you might think, oh, Florida hotel fun. It was crazy, and it was so intense, and so scary, and so hard. Well, because, like... 100% worth it, and it was a good experience. Well, you all... You started with 16 other people, correct? Yeah. And everyone had passed the interview. You went... They paid for you to fly to Florida. Yeah. But you're still not safe, because if you failed on your test, like, you got kicked out. Yes. You so, had one retake, you had to get 100% on it, and if not, bye-bye. So tell, tell um, them how many people made it. Only 12. So 12, that's one we quarter. We lost a quarter of our class. Uh, that's really sad. That's insane. And like, you become like family with these people. Like you form such a tight bond because you're all helping each other get through. And, you know, you all have the same dream. You all have probably really compatible personalities because you all have to be courteous and good with I almost said patience. patience. I need to get out of home health care. Um, um, you need to on a be good with the passengers, guests, customers, whatever. Clients. Clients. Minions. Clientele. My clientele. <laughs> Victims. I take care of my clientele in the air. That sounds silly sketch. That's why I said it. Um, but Caroline is a full-ass flight attendant now. Yeah. She's got a banging new haircut. I cut off my hair when I was in Florida. Dude, you look amazing, and you just radiate energy. I mean, not now, because you're sick and allergic. I'm radiating, like, <laughs> sick energy. like Sick energy. The energy. Sick energy, bro. Like, like, before a zombie film. Like, that kind of energy I that's in there. I can't say I'm familiar with that type of energy. Should I You be? don't really get sick very often. I never get sick. She's a killer, like... I mean, I, you know, I have an eating disorder that's, like... <laughs> 
considering (laughs) considering yeah dude it's crazy you're not so bad girl oh my god so our topic today Mm. well first of all the reason i wanted to have the first episode after the break with you was because i just love our episodes together we have the best like chemistry together and i knew it was gonna be a great episode no matter what but i have a confession to make (laughs) What? You're confessing something? So I'm not a priest. <laughs> Who do you take me for? So, like, th- I have recorded with a few other people before this, and I'm going to be releasing those episodes on a weekly basis. But each one of those people, I might have told they were going to be my first episode. <gasps> well, no, it was like... I think you have a commission to make to them. No, it, it, I, <laughs> So the first one... Oh. Ew, that sounds so gross. That was a gross one. We'll, we'll skip it. Um, On the air. The first one, I recorded like two days after I had moved into my apartment. And I told her, I was like, you're my first person I'm recording in my new apartment. And then the second one, I literally told the same thing. But I, it's not my fault because I literally forgot. Yo. Like, so now... Sometimes like with podcasts, it doesn't go as scheduled. Exactly. I mean, you guys should know that if you listen to me. I'm all over the place. But literally, this guy was like, I'm so glad to be your first episode back. No! And then the girl, the girl was like... Bless his heart. So, um... You know what that reminds me of? What? Okay, have you seen the documentary about JoJo? You probably haven't. JoJo? Not Siwa. Like, JoJo, like, the singer from, like, early 2000s. Oh, JoJo! JoJo. She was an aquamarine! Yes! That girl! Oh, that's a good movie. And RV, I think. <laughs> she, she did Probably. acting for a little. Well, but apparently, sometimes with record labels, like, the crappy ones, they'll have you record all this music, like, a whole album, and then they won't release it. What? So you're a basic girl. You're pulling a whatever record label. Oh, I guess. I'm sorry, y'all. As long as you release it eventually. Oh, no, I will. You'll be fine. I, I yeah. You're not it's, evil. <laughs> but if you're listening to this and you thought you were the first one, I'm sorry, you're not. Um, but she'll release it eventually, so she's not yeah, like, the I promise, devil. Yeah, I'm, I'm still editing all those. I'm so, so, so excited for you guys to hear all the guests I have this... I keep wanting to say this season, but, like, I, I don't operate on a season basis. Like, you can if you want to. Anyway, um, so... Yeah, the topic that we wanted to talk about today, we started talking about it because Caroline is always sick. You, Not always, but frequently. Probably like, like at least every season of the year. 80% of the time. I get sick for like at least a week. Yeah. Not 80%. Well, okay, I like to give her a lot of shit for being I'm sick. I'm <laughs> prone to getting sick though, for sure. Yeah. And we were talking about, how did we even start talking about eating disorders um, I was just musing, I think, and saying, I wonder if those crucial years of my life in which I had an eating disorder, probably age 14 to, I mean, I started recovering maybe at 19, but into like age 20, maybe I think it was 18 to 20 that I was kind of recovering. So those were, what do you call it, integral parts of your life? Yeah. Like, you know, I wasn't even grown. It was adolescence. I was basically a child when it started and I always wonder like would I be healthier would I be taller would I be more fertile someday like all these things that could affect you um and it just it's something I almost know for certain because it was so many years and I was in such bad shape like yeah it's so destructive and 
you really kind of screw yourself over. Yeah, we were literally, we were wondering, it maybe is the reason that you're always so sick. Like, did you hurt your immune system or something? Like, Oh, yeah. And yeah, when people who have eating disorders as kids, like, it, I mean, it's bad no matter what age you are. Yeah. But like Carolyn said, it could really screw you over forever. Yeah. And no one talks about that. I barely know what I'm doing to myself. Like, I know I'm hurting my body, but like, I, it's almost out of like, ignorance. I don't want to know. It's kind of like, um, you only start to realize what really went on once you've healed or come back to a state of, you know, your body operating Mm -hmm. normally, I think. Um, Dude, yeah, it's like when you're drunk and you think you're being so smooth, but then afterwards you're like, oh my god, I was being an asshole. Yeah, that's so true. It's like, you can't tell how unhealthy you are until you're healthy and looking back. Yes. My hair, you know, it wasn't falling out or anything. It didn't look raggedy, but, um... I have thicker, healthier hair coming out of my scalp now than I did then, and it it grows so fast. And I would always, I watched Dr. Oz back then a lot. I was obsessed with the health shows, um, which was probably a part of it. But I was obsessed with looking up the effects of eating disorders when I had one. And I, you know, technically I knew in my head what all the side effects were but I didn't feel like I was experiencing them just like you said you don't think it's um, gonna happen to you yeah and like after gaining weight um it's like people who lose a lot of weight you know they have saggy skin um or after fluctuating like I have some like sagginess places I wonder I maybe I wouldn't and I have like my my hair really was really bad back then my skin was really dry I would get so cold and it's stuff that you hear people go through, but you think, I'm fine. I yeah. don't really go through much of this. Nothing a coffee or blanket can't help with. Yeah. And you're just, you're okay with that being your normal without really, really knowing how great it is on the other end. And you normalize it. Yeah. You, it just you definitely do. your reality. To the point where if you feel healthy, it feels wrong. You want to elaborate on that? That's I mean, interesting. So I've had bulimia on and off for 15 years, and I only really started noticing, like, the negative health consequences this year, or, like, the last couple years. That's amazing. It's insane. And one of those, like, I have gum gum recession, like, my gums are really sensitive, and I I need to, like, a dentist recommended I get a graft, because it's so bad, but I can't afford that shit. Um, And, like, I have constant acid reflux, and my hunger cues are so off. Like, I never know if I'm hungry or full. And and so, like, I remember a day in my new apartment. I was eating peanut butter from the jar. I, I had a lot of it, and I was going to purge, but then I was like, no, I'm not gonna, going to. And so I kept it in, and mm. then, like, a couple hours later, I was shocked to find out that I wasn't hungry <laughs> because guess what? what? When you this? eat food, especially, like, satiating food, like peanut butter, you don't get hungry again. Yes, and, and hungry that, is like the normal. And that was so, that felt so strange to me. I remember being so starving, my stomach was actually having pains, and I'd be like, I'm not hungry. And it wasn't just because I was telling myself, I actually didn't realize, like, it just felt weird if I wasn't hungry. Yeah. So it really does become the normal. Or um, being tired all the time. Oh my God. Like, yeah. I get tired. Like, yesterday I was wiped. I needed a nap at like 7 o'clock p.m. But... That's just because I've been doing a lot, and I just got home, I think. Um, yeah, when you, you wake up tired, 
Yeah. You wake up tired. You you never have the energy. It's always hard to get up to your alarm. You get so tired out. I would nap almost all day after coming back from school a lot of the nights. I would just journal, do homework, nap. Um, oh my gosh. And the effects on your social life. I would <sighs> love to talk about that too. Because it's very isolating. I just, I thought about, I've thought back to it so many times. And I just thought, how much closer would I have been to to friends? How much further would I have wanted to go in sports? Because I was, I started out a really sporty kid. I always yeah. did soccer, basketball growing up. They put us all in those. You were good at basketball. Um, I kind of hated them, but it's because I always did my hardest, tried my hardest, yeah. and I always was very competitive. So I always got those nerves, um, like that feeling like, oh my gosh, I need to do really well, which that's its own thing. But I was always really athletic. Like I had certain coaches when I was little and they'd tell my mom like she was a beast on the field today and I would just always run as fast as I could. And freshman year, I was doing pretty well at that time, like in the beginning. And we had this, I guess you would call it, they wanted to measure how strong everyone was. Like a, like a much, test. Like yeah, a, it was like a physical fitness test. And I was the one who did the most pull-ups in our class. Damn, girl. And I would always show my arms to people, like, make my muscle, be like, look, I'm so strong. Wait, mom, do you want to say something about your eating, like the effects of your eating disorder long-term? Get down here. <laughs> our mom just came in and... um. You actually have input here, so I want to ask you real quick. Hi. Hello. Hi. So it's so wonderful to, to be with Christina and Caroline. And I see the long-term effects. I see it rear its ugly head in just my body image and uh, just the way I view food sometimes. Although I will say it is 100% possible to get over it. I'm like 99.9% normal, whatever normal means. Yeah. A lot of quote normal but, people do still have body image issues. Well, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that, yeah, that brings to the point, like what is an eating disorder and what is just like disordered behavior? That's a good point. Jesus, Mark. It's a fine line. It is. But I'd say that um, health-wise, I've been amazed. After I had my eating disorder, I thought I'll never be able to have children. And of course, that'd be wrong. <laughs> so I am grateful that I, and I'm, I'm really, really happy with my body image now and all. But once in a while, it rears its ugly head. Yeah. And I think, gosh, you know, I thought that those attitudes were gone, but they're not. That, that's, so. They're so dangerous because they're so sneaky. Right. They're so sneaky. So, um, yeah, but thank you. I'm you're always improvement, work in progress. Yeah, Never yeah, all of us growing. are. Yes, yeah, thank so. you. You're welcome. I appreciate your audience. I love your podcast, girl. <laughs> we're your podcast, we're girl. totally we're totally stealing her work dust right now. Yeah, that's an interesting thing because for me, I think the physical parts, like um, the repercussions, are still here, but the mental repercussions are gone. Like, I never have doubts about my body image or food. I don't have any weirdness, any... It's amazing. It is. I'm, I'm really into intuitive eating and just... It's not something I think about, though, anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so it's possible. 
it's it's very possible. I think there are different levels of healing. Some yeah. people reach one that others won't ever. Yeah. But that doesn't mean their progress is better. Mm-hmm. It just means it's your capacity, I guess, um, or your where your mindset can go after that. Because there are people that I know without disordered eating that have a crap body image and maybe yeah. always will. It's just something some people can't get past or, or some people are always... They have some doubts about food and some demons that are whispering in their ear, you know. Um, it's it's all pervasive. Food is everywhere. You have to eat it to survive. All social functions revolve around food. It's really, really hard. Like, you can't get away from it. If you're in recovery and yeah. you think you can just, like, avoid food, no, you can't. Yeah. And uh, I think it's because I got into working out and then even a little bit of bodybuilding which doesn't mean I was trying to look like the Hulk by the way a lot of ladies are scared of that (laughs) but I got into muscle building and um I realized food was my friend and it just brought me such a positive way of looking at food as um just nutrition is the simplest way I'd put it fuel um yeah food is fuel yeah the word (laughs) fuel I really like because your car doesn't run if it's out of fuel and it's it is really similar with us but it that just made me realize it just made me look at food so positively and that has carried on i never see it as something i have to battle or question or regret question mhm how do you feel about let me try to phrase this food is tied up to emotions like, food carries emotions with it. Sure. Everything. Yeah. Like, so one thing that I've tried to do in the past is only look at it as fuel. Like, strip it of all its feelings and, like, connotations and just mm-hmm. I eat it and then I'm done and I don't want to think about it. Would you say that is harmful, too? Because... A little bit, I'd say. Because I think it's an attitude of being grateful for your food as nourishment like if you're running on low right on e you're really happy when you get to that gas station and you get to fuel up and with food there's so much variety and so many interesting flavors and shapes and um you don't want to be eating just for that reason but you shouldn't feel guilty if you do yeah like that goes back to what you were saying about different Um, levels of recovery yeah like harm reduction is a big thing like if you're eating and maybe you don't love it and you have like negative connotations of food but but you're still eating like that's that's all you need to do you know yeah at the most basic level it's most important to eat i think people expect that like once they recover they'll just fall in love with food and that's not necessarily true some people say though when you have an eating disorder you're the most in love with food well yeah i mean i love food i love food too much i would say like i I joke about that but you know i used to hop on some forums and everyone would be talking about oh my gosh i love food and they'd be talking about like their favorites the things they miss that's a myth about eating disorders that you don't that you hate food like food yeah and i'm sure it's i'm sure it's true for some people yeah by the way we are not doctors. We don't have any, like, sources to back this up. We're just talking from our lived experience. I did not go to medical school. I went to flight attendant training. <laughs> so, so you're not an expert on eating disorder? No, girl. I'm not even a nurse or a doctor I think, or any of the above. So, yeah, we're just talking about our learned experiences. One thing I really wanted to do with this episode is really think about what you would have 
said to your younger self, like what you wish that you knew that it would do to you before it happened. You know what I mean? Oh my gosh. Yes. I was thinking about that too. And there are things I would have said about the future being positive because you really do have to trust the process at one point. You have to want to recover so bad. That's so scary. I can't get into it. I know it sounds so simple, but it was the hardest thing because Mm -hmm. I did have a phase where my face looked so chubby all the time and I didn't like my body. Um, also, there's nothing wrong with being chubby. You know, it's just right. like... It was just like, at the time, it was just like the worst thing because I didn't recognize who I saw in the mirror. Yeah. But um, it is really interesting because the way I look now, the image I see is what I would have wanted to see or perceive back mm. then. Um, I don't know why that made me super emotional. Yeah, because I really thought I would only get there one way. Oh, yes. But now that I've just lived healthily and I'm really active at the gym, but also I just like, I cut myself slack all the time. I I listen to my hunger cues. I eat if I want, when I want. You rest when you want. I rest when, when I want. To. Um, and you look amazing. I thanks. mean, <laughs> again. I just really am okay with myself. And even more than that, I'm super confident and happy. Again, like, I was listening to our very first episode we did together, uh, episode number six. I listen to it so often, it's great. Um, but I noticed we, we use the word fat a lot as, like, a negative word, and I'm really trying to yes. turn that around. Yes. I like that you caught that, because... Well, that's just... the. It's not only the eating disorder talking, but society, right? Yes. Society tells you that fat is a bad thing that you need to be thin, and it's just bullshit, as we all know. Exactly. And I think the whole point is I never thought I'd be okay with myself if I wasn't skinny. Like, yeah. um, I'm not skinny now. I have quite a bit more weight on me than I did back then. But also, like, I look like a thin person still. Like, you look I, amazing. I pass as and a like... thin person. And so mm-hmm. I'd like to think that even if I weren't thin – I would still be happy with myself because I did go through those phases where I wasn't. Well, we all fluctuate. Like, that's the goal when you're, when you have that eating disorder mentality. Um, that's another thing I, I just thought of. Yeah. Your weight fluctuates throughout the years, and I think your body changes when you need it to do different things. Like at the time when you were bodybuilding and stuff, you were like a little heavier, but that's what you needed at the time to do what you're doing. And just the choices I was making, um, the people I was hanging around with, it was just the lifestyle I was leading to. Yeah. It's like, like um, it also came with negative effects then. <sighs> I, um, I let myself gain quite a bit of weight and I really appreciated certain aspects of it. Like, I really liked how I looked in my underwear, and yes. I still do, but, like, in a different way. Like, Your ass is unreal. Yeah, like, <laughs> ass and tits, guys. Dude. Like, it was so fun. Unreal. Um, looking at them and being like, okay. But on the flip side, it was against even the normal BMI. Like, I was considered... BMI is also bullshit, by the way. It can be, because I bodybuild, I know, because muscle weighs more than fat, and, like... You could be considered obese, but you're just a really strong, yeah. dense person. <laughs> dense, not meaning like dumb. But like. Uh, the BMI, like, mm-hmm. I'm going to do a quick insert here. Um, if you want to know more about the history of BMI and why it's kind of bullshit, you can, um, there's a podcast called Maintenance Phase that I listen to, Ooh. and they basically deconstruct, like, myths and, like, false information about, like, diet, culture, society health trends like all this stuff and they have a whole episode about the bmi and the history of it it was basically created by like white men 
who based all everyone in the world's weight uh, on theirs. And like, it, it's so fascinating. Like not the actual health of the person. Yeah, they, they don't. That they, yeah. yeah, and so um, I'm not going to say anything more about it, but like, it, there's a really good episode. It's called Maintenance Phase. Go listen to that. Um, back to you, Caroline. That's cool. But I was considered overweight, technically, like on the medical side, you could say, if we're going by that. But And I realized like I had constant back pain. And again, mm. that could have been due to the weight of my upper weight, or it could have been like I could have been lifting wrong because I was lifting heavy back then. Yeah. But constant back pain, constant um, acid reflux. It was oh, super bad. I would have gas and I would... I don't know, just certain aspects of that as well, or like kind of feeling sluggish. I didn't realize it took a long time to get up to eating more. I don't like to go by portion sizes and stuff, but I probably eat about half of what I was eating then. And my body just has defaulted to either one. But again, you're not doing the same activities you were then, so you don't need as much. Like I'm not lifting as heavy, but also I don't think that was the ideal weight for my body either. Um, you just kind of learn through time what your yeah. body likes to default to. Yes. Like what, and that's, where your body is happiest. That is so scary to trust your body. Yeah. Like you need, ultimately, if you recover from an eating disorder, you need to trust your body. You need to trust that you're not going to blow up overnight. And um, again, not that there's anything wrong with being a heavier weight. Like I'm just, not. that's a really common fear that people have when they yeah. recover. And if I could tell myself one thing it's that your body does not stay the same throughout your whole life. It's impossible. Yes. So, like, for instance, right now, I expect myself to have the same body I did when I was, like, 18. And that's so yeah. unrealistic. And, like, the older oh, yeah. you get, I'm almost 30, and I noticed it's harder for me to lose weight now. Like, in the past, it would just fall off me when I was living a certain way. And now, like, I'm living that way still, but I'm not losing weight. Yeah. And that's what's bullshit about eating disorders. They don't work long term. Eating disorders suck. It's like a very, and, very short term coping mechanism. Yeah. A need to, you at least can have a say over this thing and how you're well, yeah, in the world. And also like the only, I, I, I want to say that there's lots of reasons people develop eating disorders besides weight. They're not all the same. Yeah. yeah, like exactly. for me, it's like self-harm. It's a coping method. It numbs me out. It like makes the time go by faster, like all this yeah, stuff. You could never make a blanket statement about why someone has an eating yeah. disorder, even one individual, why they have it. And that's why it's important to like, if you can, to get professional help because you need, I don't know, it's so hard. Some people like, I did a whole other episode recently uh, with my friend Lauren um, about how fucked up the health system is. Like how like, um, diagnosing an eating disorder includes being underweight. It's so but shitty. you could definitely have an eating disorder and not be at a, quote, dangerously low weight for your body. Yeah, um, there's, like, overweight people who have like eating that. disorders. They certainly do. It's there's very no common. I know I keep plugging my own episodes, but I, I, my episode, um, it's called Treatment Made Me Gay. It's with my friend uh, Rachel, and she's a self-proclaimed fat person and she has atypical anorexia and she went to the same treatment center that I did and they treated her totally differently because you know she doesn't look like someone who has anorexia according to you know all the books and movies out there about like thin white girls who like and she had a bad experience she wrote an article about it actually um I should post that too but um it's just everyone's so different 
you have to really tailor your recovery to you and that's really hard yeah like long term yes under eating like you will lose weight but that doesn't mean you're gonna look like a skeleton it's it's not like (laughs) my my Uh, my thing is like I've always felt like I don't I have a body I'm not my body I have a body Mm -hmm. does that make sense like my body is like a foreign entity to me and I feel like it's sabotaging me and so the one thing I've been trying to work on in recovery the last year is like make feeling more neutral about my body like I'm not gonna love my body yet maybe ever I I hope I do I love parts of my body but like I want to respect it and treat it well so I don't feel like crap all the time and um that's another thing. Like, you were saying how recovery goals are different for everyone. Like, my goal is body neutrality right now. Yeah. And that's an, a, gr- a great goal. It, even if your goal is so, quote unquote, small, like, just focus on baby steps. Yeah. Oh, definitely. That's really important. Like, I remember through recovery, one of the things that helped me most was just thinking, what does this food do for me? Yeah, um, I, you said that in the, uh, our last episode, and yeah. I think about it all the time. You want to repeat it? Yeah, um, just for instance, like, okay, this ice cream has a lot of fat, right? And that's, like, the evil word when I had an eating disorder. And it has a lot of sugar, but it also has a lot of calcium. And it has the energy I'm going to need, because when else am I going to eat? And stuff like that, maybe what you would ha- call harm reduction, yeah, um, for sure. Almost almost that mentality where you're thinking, okay, there might be some bad, but we're going to focus on the good. And sometimes, this is mind-blowing, sometimes you can just eat for pleasure. Oh, yeah. It doesn't even have to do anything for you. Yeah. And I, like, I heard that on my friend Jacqueline's podcast, and she was talking about how sometimes it's normal to overeat, and you need to, like, mm-hmm. let yourself do that sometimes and just eat for pleasure. And... That sounds terrifying to me. And I just think how your body responds when you you know you're getting to a good place when you can neutrally look at how it's affecting you and make a decision based on that. But just based on your feelings, not your physical effects, but how it's making you feel. Like, I'll give an example. I had kind of a junk food phase maybe, maybe three, four months ago where I was just, my eating schedule was kind of off, and I was snacking a lot instead of having real meals. I was getting fast food a lot. Was there a reason for that? Like your job or something? You were really busy? I don't busy? think so. I was super busy. That probably was it. And that's a common situation for people to be in. Yeah. yeah. And then um, points where I don't go to the gym as much, I notice my appetite decreases a lot. And my meals can get off because I wake up and I'm not hungry yet. And so I just don't eat for a little while or I get busy. And then it's like noon and I haven't had anything. But then I realize I'm starving. (laughs) So it's just like that or convenience. And so I would just, I would have some nights where it was such a tiring work day. I would get like some potato chips or something or some gummy candy or both. And I would just treat myself and just have a fun little night in. And... I still see nothing wrong with that, but I realized the next day I would feel kind of sluggish. My face would be really like bloated, puffy, like it wouldn't even feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt kind of sick after eating them and I was fine with having eaten them and everything. There's no guilt about stuff like that. It just, 
felt crappy. And that's normal. Like, like Yeah. And then eating I started to crave chicken, rice, salad, greens. Like yes. I started to crave those because my my body and my mind are in sync, I think. It goes back just... It all goes back to trusting your body. Yeah. And that's so scary. Like your body eventually will tell you what it needs. Yes. And sometimes what you do need is gummy candy yeah, and chips if you want. And <laughs> You just get out of the phase when you realize, hmm, better not. Like, it's I, time to tone back now. When I went camping a few months ago in Seattle, I, um, my friend and I stopped by an ice cream shop in the mountains, and I got a milkshake, and, like, I took a picture of it and posted it on Facebook, and the caption was, tell my eating disorder I'm on vacation. Oh, and yes. someone, like, reported it. That's a whole other story, but um, yeah, not everyone realizes what an eating disorder actually looks like and what healthy versus unhealthy behavior will look like. Yeah, and I get one. like trust is a thing. Like my mom, for instance, our mom, for instance, uh, when she sees me here eating like a couple slices of pizza, for instance, she gets really nervous because over the years I have shown her that that is a trigger food. And, you know, I've been purged in their house so many times over the years, and she doesn't trust me, and I, I get it. I'm it can sh- be a healthy thing for you. Like, this could be a victory that you're eating that, yeah. and maybe you feel okay with it. It's all about what's going on in your head. And it's like, I, I was working all day moving. I was hungry. I really wanted pizza. It looked amazing, and it was amazing. And, you know, but, again, it just comes down to trusting your body, what it needs and when you do have an eating disorder it's really hard to know your body like you become detached from your body almost Mm. like your body is the enemy yeah and that's why at this step neutrality is the next point for you yeah just not being an enemy um just something you listen to and you have to cooperate with just like a coworker that you don't like but you like you have to work with them you're like all right fine i guess the project which is surviving at this point i guess i won't fart near your desk oh my god dude eating (laughs) disorder farts are a thing oh my stomach is so my my, i have so many gi issues i'm not going to go into super great detail but like no it's it's great talking about the effects it has on you because it can seem glamorous like mm-hmm. oh i'm not as gross because i don't put as much filth into myself like yeah orthorexia um, is a yes thing. orthorexia like, like wanting to be pure and that that actually goes with a lot of people in um the workout community like yeah. the, um shows and stuff and again because like society end, there's a very like it's a very gray area between eating disorder and disordered behavior yes um it doesn't mean it's your lifestyle or anything but, but anyway. like my stomach like i I've been just so much over the years. My stomach's all stretched out. So, like, I never feel full. I can eat so much and never feel full. And then I'm really bad at digesting food. My farts are, like, wicked bad. They're, like, so, you know, acid reflux all the time, 24-7. I keep Tums on my bedside table. Yeah, it's bad. Uh, And I wish I hadn't taken it so lightly when I, I... And it's not like I one day decided I would have an eating disorder. Nobody does. Yeah. I'm, and, but I do wish I had taken the health effects more seriously. And I, I still need to take them more seriously. Like, I'm still trying to recover. And Caroline knows how hard it's been for me. Like, I'm really honest with you about everything I'm going through. And yeah. I feel like I still have this immortality complex. Like, yes. you know, other people can die from this. But not me. There's a dog Dexter in the back. Dexter said bye. 
he literally like got up from next to us and moved up to another spot and like he didn't want to be next to us it's because i was talking about farts he's like i don't want to be around them (laughs) he's like i feel called out right now (laughs) um (laughs) he's wagging his tail oh man carolyn is obsessed with this dog he is my baby (laughs) he's a child but yeah um you realize dogs are better than cats (laughs) no No. I'm team dog. All Cats the all the way. I will fight you. Oh, maybe if they didn't give me allergies. <laughs> True. We can't record at my house because my apartment, my house, because Caroline is allergic. Um, yeah, we're at our parents' house right now. Uh, you live here now. I do. I am working towards towards. towards. <laughs> I'm working towards financial health. So yes, this year it's oh, really exciting. Great segue. Financial health. Okay. Let's go. Eating disorders are so fucking expensive. It depends on what kind, I think. Well, too. yes, like again. Bulimia, certainly. For me, I have gone into so much debt. I spend so much money on binge food. I've, I've like, charged them to my credit cards. And, like, even when I was in my restrictive phase, because my, my official diagnosis is, like, anorexia, uh, subtype binge purge, because, like, I'll restrict and then I'll binge purge. That when you're restricting, like the health foods you get, like are so expensive. Like I would only eat like powdered oh, peanut butter. Yeah, it's like ten dollars a jar. Things. I That's would true. buy like these energy drinks to get me going in the morning, and those add up. That's true. Like vegetable, like pro- pro- <laughs> <laughs> produce yeah. is expensive. Like all these things are expensive. Yeah, I remember. Like I was very picky about what I had and dad was really sweet about it at the commissary he would pick up whatever i wrote down and half the time i had my disorder was so strong that i just couldn't even bring myself to eat what he got but it felt comforting knowing it was an option yeah so i mean i do eat more now and i probably spend more on food because of the quantity but it just it depends but it's like you're spending money on something that brings you joy everything's about balance right like that's what we always say it's life's all about balance balance. it's like a joke at this point but like for real if you spend all your money on food and go out every night like yes maybe you should re-examine your lifestyle yeah um but there's nothing wrong with like spending money on like a nice dinner or just something you really want oh yeah um i hope to get to that point oh yeah that's tough, because then, like, there's a lot of guilt tied to money, I think. Oh, yeah. Our, our family has a rocky history of finances. Uh, our parents went bankrupt when we were, like, in high school. Mm-hmm. And they're they're great now. They're totally financially recovered. They use cash for everything. That meme, I will never financially recover from this. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Oh, my God. Oh my I'm going to post that to the Instagram. <laughs> oh, that is so funny. Literally, like... That's how I feel with bulimia. I will never financially recover from this. That's <laughs> great. It's true. It's so true. Um, so I asked on Instagram um, if people could share the harsh realities of eating disorders that they wish they had known or like stuff that's happened to them or other people. And my friend Lauren sent me in a letter and it's kind of long, but and I thought about just reading parts of it or like paraphrasing it, but I really wanted to read all of it because like like I said, she was on my podcast before. She's in her 40s. She's had eating disorders for like 30 years and she's known a lot of people that have died from this. Oh my gosh. I can't imagine. And I think it's really important for people to know 
this side of eating disorders, like the dangerous side. I feel like this is Blue's Clues right now, where he's like, we just got a letter. Oh, got a letter. We just got a read, Caroline, read the room. I know, but I needed to, I needed to lighten the mood. True. Well, okay. Because she's trying to pull it up on her phone. So I have her permission to read this. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll try to go fast. Um, okay, so she says, I know six people who died as a result of their eating disorders. Three were from suicide and three were from medical issues directly related to the disorder. Of the latter, one from severe and enduring anorexia, one from a combination of anorexia and bulimia, and one from binge eating disorder. Note that only one of the six was from anorexia, low weight and starvation, still the only thing that seems to get recognized by the public at large as a danger of eating disorders. Yes. None of these were easy to get through, but I'm here to talk about the two hardest. First up, uh, she changes names to protect identities, so we'll call this person James. Um, Just to make it more confusing, I first met him when he was Amy. This was someone who had met at treatment very strongly into his eating disorder. I believe he turned to the disorder again and again because it gave him something to hang on to when the rest of the world got out of control. He was frequently hospitalized despite not being able to afford it and subsequently booted quickly because of finances. Subsequently. Whatever. I had really hoped when he began making the transition from female to male that this would help as he seemed much more centered and steady after making this decision. But apparently there was just too much going on in his head. I was rooming with a mutual friend of ours who came home one night to inform me she'd just heard he'd killed himself. This wasn't the first friend I'd lost, but it was the first treatment friend I'd lost. After treatment is a tricky spot for a lot of people, and I admit that I had a list in my head the year after I left of three people in particular where I said, I'm going to lose one of these friends soon. One of them is my best friend. She is doing great, and I'm standing in her wedding later this year. Uh, One took a year to completely fall apart but then got sober, got the ED under control, and is now an advocate and published author. And then one of them never lived to see his 23rd birthday. That's so young. I don't know how to begin to explain the effect this had on me. I was completely numb for about 16 hours, then broke down sobbing the next morning about three hours into work, just because my boss came up to me and said, hey, how's it going? It's dropped off some, but to this day, I still get on Facebook Messenger, where he and I used to often chat, and write messages to him right into a void that I know will never be read and never be answered simply because the act is comforting. Mm. Uh, The second is a girl we'll call Tara. In fact, we'll give her a full name and call her Tara Johnson. This will come into play in a minute. She was also someone I met in treatment, and it was my first time, but it certainly wasn't hers. She wasn't the thinnest girl I'd met, but she was damn close. And she was definitely the thinnest girl I'd met who was energetic and vibrant to a point where you almost couldn't guess her body was falling apart. She'd been in and out of treatment several times by the time I met her. Honestly, I think she wanted to be over it, over the whole disease. I think she ate and tried to be healthy when she could, but at this point it becomes such a part of her that she'd continually fall back into patterns where she just couldn't anymore. I remember her because I remember when I was leaving treatment that time and clearly already heading for a relapse, and another friend tried to sit me down and talk some sense into me, saying, The same things we've been doing don't work every time. We can't always keep pushing our bodies to the same limits and expecting them to adapt. We can't all be Tara Johnson. That friend obviously meant that rock bottom gets a little closer each time. Places you have pushed yourself in your disorder in the past are no longer achievable because it starts taking less before your body revolts and says, no, I cannot work this way. A couple years after this conversation, Tara finally pushed her body in the same way. She spent a full year near death in hospitals, not eating disorder treatment centers because she was too close to death for that. She came back from that and sought treatment, but insurance kept standing in her way. 
I don't know what happened in that final year, but I know she spent it truly fighting this time, and I know she lost the fight. I read some of her other friends' accounts talking about how they'd been summoned to her hospital room telling them to say goodbye. I read some of her texts where she understood what it was coming down to, and she expressed her fears to die. She took social media vehemently in the end, condemning eating disorders and believing that you could continue to live with them because she understood what was happening. Uh, when I heard of her passing, I was left with this realization. My friend had said, we can't all be Tara Johnson. And that was true, because in the end, even Tara Johnson couldn't continue to be Tara Johnson. So in the end, these two memories and all the others bring me to this. If you think you're invincible in your eating disorder or will succeed where others have failed, then you're wrong. If you think there's an end point and if I can just get here, I swear I'll be satisfied. I won't need to go any further. Then you're right. So far, I know six people who found that point. Wow. Thank you, Lauren, Thank for, you so much for writing for that. Writing. I know it was really hard and I'm, I'm so sorry for your losses. And the, the terrifying thing is that you can hear all the stories in the world like that and you can still have an eating disorder. Like, yep. where I'm at, like, I, my head knows all the risks, but it, it's like she was saying, it, it's become such a part of you that it, you can't just drop it. it. And I struggle with that a lot. And you brought up to me that you came to this realization that you can't just take this away and expect to be okay with that void. Yeah. You won't be able to keep it away until something else has filled that void instead. Exactly. It's like you expect life to get easier when you recover, but unfortunately, sometimes life gets harder. When I got sober from alcohol... You know, my life was a mess. I had to deal with that mess once I got sober. And it's quite it, an achievement, by the way. <laughs> thank you. I'm, I'm proud of myself for that, if anything. Um, I recorded with another guest uh, two days ago, and she's amazing. Um, she's a life coach, and she was saying she used toxic relationships and addiction throughout the years to not focus on herself. It was a distraction. And then once she stopped, you just have to look at yourself and like you said, fill it with something else. And that's hard because you don't want to accept that you are deeply flawed. And um, maybe it's your relationships you're neglecting. Maybe it's your job, your dreams. I don't know. Yeah. And a lot of times when you're you're living this life of disordered eating, it's all kind of you focused, but it's not drawing attention to yourself. With me, I felt like it was easier to fade into the background and just be this this normal girl. And You want to be invisible. I really wanted to. I wanted to fade away and not have anyone notice me. I didn't date. I didn't have close friends or teammates yeah. um, where everyone else would go out and have fun together. I had a few close friends, but I wasn't even honest with them about what I was going through. Yeah, you never talked about it. Until never talked about it. Were... That's where you and I are different. Yeah. I respect you so much for that. I never talked about it. I was so embarrassed and so ashamed. I felt like it would break my identity of being the good girl, the unproblematic person. I always like to listen to other people's problems, and I think it was a good distraction. But I wanted to be known as that caring person who didn't have problems of her own. Mm. And... Like we said, it's very isolating, but I'm kind of going on tangent. No, no, that's what this is for. I guess I know we're ending on kind of a serious note. I, I think we love to laugh and um, humor is a big part of dealing with my eating disorder. But at the end of the day, it's 
a very serious disease. I, I think it's like has the highest mortality rate of any mental illness. Yeah. And uh, the good news is, though, it has, I think, it has a pretty good recovery rate. It is possible. It's just going to take work. And not everyone has the support either. And I, I guess we should end with what we would tell ourselves back then. Yeah. I think I would have told myself it's not worth it. Yeah. Don't be a stranger. I was a stranger to so many people because I was so wrapped up in what I was going through. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. I, I, if there's anything I would tell myself, it's you don't want to be remembered as the girl with the eating disorder. Yes, like because sometime, everyone knew, right? Yeah, like, and, and I'm, think... I, I am very vocal about it on social media. And I'm, obviously, I have this podcast, but yeah. I don't want that to be my identity. Mm. I want to, at the end of my life, you know, I want to be known for my achievements and my friendships and my, like all, there's so many things. And it's like when you have an eating disorder, it's hard to live beyond yourself. You could be that caring person. You could volunteer. You could be there for your friends, but it's hard to live out of your head. You're not Mm -hmm. ever truly living beyond yourself, I think. And I really believe that because I went through it. Maybe everyone doesn't have the same mentality, but it's hard to get past that and truly extend yourself beyond. So... There is a life worth living. Recovery is possible. And you can do it. You can do it. (laughs) I did it somehow. Um, You're amazing. I know it's not going to be the same journey for everyone. I think, you know, what's easier, what's harder depends on the person. And I am so fortunate and so blessed and lucky, whatever you want to call it. Um, You worked really hard. You never lose sight of your your dream, your vision. That really was a dream for me that I never thought I could have. Um, it, it's it's worth it. Recovery is worth it. And I, I obviously am not there yet. I'm telling you, but I'm also telling myself. Like, Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's worth it. So one thing I do recommend after you listen to this is like educating yourself. Like go online, listen to some podcasts, read some articles. Um, just educate yourself as much as you can about your eating disorder. And yeah, that's all I got. Yeah, and remember, like, it's almost like an eating disorder chooses you, like, with all the factors that go into it. What do you mean by that? People don't actively say, I'm going to have an eating disorder. And yeah. There's a lot of guilt that can come with it. I know we're talking about some of the the effects of eating disorders later on in life, and there could be regret with that. But also, if you're trying your best, you're trying your best. Um, we all have different paths that lead us here. Yeah. Don't feel like a bad person for what you're going through. Preach. Please don't, um, because you're probably trying. The fact that you're listening to this, you're trying. Even if you aren't trying, you're probably in a place where you're just... You're curious. You're curious, but you're too swallowed up to even be able to. And just don't feel like a bad person for this. It's unfortunate. And I really sympathize with all you who are going through it. They're going to make me cry. I want to see us all on the other side. That's like my my biggest wish. (laughs) Oh, that was beautiful. Um, We're going to end on that, y'all. That was a hot take. (laughs) (laughs) All right, y'all. Bye. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pickles and Vodka. If you could relate to anything we talked about, 
You can follow the podcast at Pickles and Vodka Podcast on Instagram, on Facebook by typing in Pickles and Vodka Podcast. You can also email me at picklesandvodkapodcast at gmail.com if you have any stories or if you just want to say hi. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you guys have a wonderful week. Stay safe.